Welcome to Audio Law, the law podcast for busy people, brought to you by Illustrated Law. This is Claudia Opper, and today we will be talking about a case that exemplifies transferred intent and gives us some insight into what a judge might be required to do in terms of jury instructions when there's an issue of transferred intent in a case. Episodes like these are made possible by listeners' support, so as you listen today, please consider donating a dollar, two dollars, whatever you can. By going to illustratedlaw.com, you'll see a donate button right there on the homepage of the website. Anything that you're able to give helps us be able to keep creating more podcasts and more helpful law content. With that, let's go ahead and dig in to this episode's case. Talmadge v. Smith, 101 Michigan 370, in the year 1894. The facts of the case. On the evening of September 17, 1891, some lime kilns were burning a short distance from defendant's premises in Portland, Ionia County. Defendant had on his premises certain sheds. He came up to the vicinity of the sheds and saw six or eight boys on the roof of one of them. He claims that he ordered the boys to get down, and they at once did so. He then passed around to where he had a view of the roof of another shed and saw two boys on the roof. The defendant claims that he did not see the plaintiff, and the proof is not very clear that he did, although there was some testimony from which it might have been found that plaintiff was within his view. Defendant ordered the boys in sight to get down, and there was testimony tending to show that the two boys in defendant's view started to get down at once. Before they succeeded in doing so, however, defendant took a stick, which is described as being two inches in width and of about the same thickness and about 16 inches long, and threw it in the direction of the boys and there was testimony tending to show that it was thrown at one of the boys in view of the defendant. The stick missed him and hit the plaintiff just above the eye with such force as to inflict an injury which resulted in the total loss of the sight of the eye. So, why are we talking about this case? Well, we can sum up the issue being, did the circuit judge give the jury proper instructions? So in this instance where there is transferred intent, what do the proper instructions for a jury look like? Before we hear about the reasoning and wrap up this case, let's take a moment to hear about this episode's sponsor. This episode was brought to you by Illustrated Law. Order your Illustrated Law book today on Amazon for only $15. Unlike traditional law books, Illustrated Law books have illustrations, practice questions with answers, key takeaway summaries, and so much more. It's the simple way to learn law efficiently. There are currently three illustrated law books available, and those are Constitutional Law, Torts Concepts, and Criminal Procedure, Investigation, and Justice. Let's dig back in with the reasoning in Talmadge v. Smith. The circuit judge charged the jury as follows, quote, If you conclude that Smith did not know the Talmadge boy was on the shed and that he did not intend to hit Smith or the young man that was with him, 
but simply by throwing the stick intended to frighten Smith and the other young man that was there, and the club hit Talmadge and injured him, as claimed, then the plaintiff could not recover. If you conclude that Smith threw the stick or club at Smith or the young man that was with Smith, intended to hit one or the other of them, and you also conclude that the throwing of the stick or club was, under the circumstances, reasonable and not excessive force to use towards Smith and the other young man, then there would be no recovery by the plaintiff. But if you conclude from the evidence in the case that he threw the stick, intending to hit Smith or the young man with him, to hit one of them, and that the force was unreasonable force, under all the circumstances, then Smith, you see, the defendant, would be doing an unlawful act if the force was unreasonable, because he had no right to use it. Then he would be doing an unlawful act. He would be liable then for the injury done to this boy with the stick, if he threw it, intending to hit the young man Smith or the young man that was with Smith on the roof. And the force that he was using by throwing of the club was excessive and unreasonable under all the circumstances of the case. If it was, and then the stick went on and hit the boy, as it seems to have hit him, if it was unreasonable and excessive, then he would be liable for the consequences of it, because he was doing an unlawful act in the outset. That is, he was using unreasonable and unnecessary force, excessive force, against Smith and the young man to get them off the shed. Unquote. And back to the court's reasoning. We think the charge a very fair statement of the law of the case. The doctrine of contributory negligence could have no place in the case. The plaintiff, in climbing upon the shed, could not have anticipated the throwing of the missile, and the fact that he was a trespasser did not place him beyond the pale of the law. The right of the plaintiff to recover was made to depend upon an intention on the part of the defendant to hit somebody and to inflict an unwarranted injury upon someone. Under these circumstances, the fact that the injury resulted to another than was intended does not relieve the defendant from responsibility. So let's keep on going to the holding of the case. The ruling of the circuit judge was proper. The circuit judge not only specially cautioned the jury not to take the matter into account, but further defined the issues with exceptional clearness in his charge. If we had to sum up the importance of this case, the significance of it, in one sentence, what would that one sentence be? Well, I think a great way of putting it is transferred intent does not negate. With that, that sums up Talmadge v. Smith. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure to tell your friends about Audio Law and check out some of our other podcasts. As Audio Law is the law podcast for busy people, I hope this episode helps make your day a little less busy. Thank you again for listening and catch you next time.